You are listening to and we're back to you by this time the with the long com. shots. It's Patrick Bexel, it's Anton Rossegård, it's the Swedish duo, the super Swedes of Ice on the Price. Well, there are no other Swedes, so of course we're the super Swedes. Anton, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. You know, there are too many players on this list now. We have to talk about 14, 15, what is it, 14 or 15 players today uh, in the long shots alone because we have 54 players ranked this year. Uh, it should be like the long, long shots. Very, very long shots. Uh, like an Alexander Gordon uh, uh, slap shot, basically. Indeed, and, and we can start with Alexander Gordon, who is uh, taking over that last spot on the list from Arvid Henriksson. Yeah, a, a little bit of a similar situation. Um, he's there. Rights are not expiring to the same degree. Um, he's been all over the place. Obviously, he left Soki, ended up in Rostov. Uh, and, and to be fair, and, and not to make this overly political or anything, I'm just happy that he's playing hockey and is not on the front line in Ukraine. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, twenty, Like being a 21-year-old hockey player and not being you know, of that high profile, you don't know really um, if you're going to end up being gun food instead of, uh, you know, getting to continue your, your, continue your career. Um, but yeah, uh, it looks like a very long shot that he will ever make it across the pond and and play at least for the Montreal Canadiens um you know when you saw Arsen Khisamutinov uh a couple of years ago he was also drafted as an overager but you know he had he was not he didn't have that prolific shot that Gordon has obviously but he had other elements in his game that potentially could have made him uh, you know a French player for the HL team or you know bottom sixer there uh, Alexander Gordon is not that kind of player and now he has he still has troubles now he's 22 years old and he still has troubles uh, making it out of the VHL um, the Russian second tier so you know uh, he scored once he had one assist for in six games for HK Sochi um, yeah uh, it was it was a good you know, it it was a sixth round pick where you can just like you you can take a flyer on a player with a great shot and hope that he can develop the other elements of his game and become somewhat of a decent skater. It doesn't look like it has worked out, and uh, yeah, we wish him all the best going forward. And you know, someone has to take that Henriksson spot at the bottom of the uh, list, unfortunately. Yeah, and obviously when he was drafted, he was part of the SCA system, which is also a good development program, obviously, um, with Bachner there as well, uh, Canadian coach. Uh, it's interesting to to maybe think they had some other insights to Gordin. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. Um, it's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, rankings are between 54 and 40, yeah. with one vote being 40. The rest are 54 and 53s. Everyone has, has sort of uh, given up on him, and uh, it's just time to move on. Really, uh, yeah. I'm not I'm even sure how much he will feature on the uh, um, European prospects. I might do comments on him, but maybe not every week in the mm. updates going forward. Um, on 53, we have Daniri Sobolev uh, playing in the OHL for um, uh, Windsor Spitfires. Uh, 48 games, 9 points, 1 goal, 8 assists. But uh, 
impressive numbers uh, in regards to plus minus, which is not always the best stat, but it points to a uh, defensive first defender. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it's difficult with these um, defense first players when they're playing in the CHL, because obviously William Trudeau, for example, was that kind of a guy as well. And he's come in and done very well when he's been in Laval, uh, developed rapidly. So maybe we have him a little bit too low, but I think it's also because uh, being two years removed from his draft, um, you kind of like, I un- what I understand is like that he's still, um, you have his rights retained for two more years. Um, yeah, he's uh, drafted out of Russia. Exactly, exactly. So it was something with the draft status because of COVID or something because he didn't play any games in the OHL before the draft. Um, but it's difficult to know whether he has the, um, you know, the the upside uh, that will make the Canadians willing to uh, offer him a three-year entry-level deal. Perhaps they will just uh, let his rights go in the end and try to sign him to an AHL deal and see if he can work himself, um, work his way up from there. Um, it will be, um, it will be an important year for him. Obviously, he's kind of been giving a, been given a, a get out of free, a jail for free card, uh, being able to play his third straight year in the OHL with with rights retained by an NHL team. But um, yeah, as of, as of right now. Um, I had him at 52nd. I feel felt like comfortable that he was, you know, in that bottom three um, of players that I don't expect the Canadians to have high hopes for going forward. Yeah, indeed, and it it is different. And and when we speak about these players on on the long shot list, in some ways, I don't really think rankings matter uh, between themselves because it's it's a it's a punt, really, and you don't really know where it's going to end up until yeah. you have more data. You might say they are the, on the bottom part of the list or they're on the upper part of the list. But more than that, it's it's anyone's guess in many ways yeah. where they end up. There um, was a bigger spread, though. Like he, yeah. It wasn't like Gordon, who was 54, 53, and 140. Here it was 143, 147, 148, 139, and then 140, yeah, 149. Uh, and then 52, 53, 54. Yeah. So it was a, it was a slouch. It, it was not as if he was competing with Alexander Gordon for the 54th spot. He was more no, no. competing with uh, the players just above him, uh, about being 51 or 52. He, he he was closer to coming in at 49 yeah. rather than than 54. Yes, which is the, so. So it is a plateau here with with a different, uh, with the with a lower ranking uh, players. Uh, where Jack Smith picks the 52nd spot, same there. Um, also a player where you have some data uh, and, and his first year with the University of uh, Minnesota Duluth uh, yeah. wasn't that impressive. But, uh, well, you have his rights for four more years. So, yeah. uh, the or three more years. So yeah. there is will be more data to go on and who knows what can happen. Well, it's, it's always so difficult because we've seen players um, like Sean Farrell, Red Pitlick do very well in the U- USHL. Um, and then if you're not even standing out at that level, obviously Jack Smith was a, was a hell of a, um, a US high school player for uh, St. Cloud Cathedral. 
when he was drafted. He had a couple of injury problems, and and he still had a couple of injury problems after the draft. But he was a surprising fourth round pick back then as well because we didn't have any data on him. I remember writing the getting to know article about Jack Smith and and I had to go on obscure articles from Minnesota local press because there was nothing about him in any of the draft guides. Um, Montreal thought that they found a diamond in the rough. I think it was just, you know, it was just pebbles at this point. Um, whether it was the injuries that, you know, has hampered him, you know, he, he was supposed to be, a, a, you know, an offense first player with a lot of um, a lot of uh, skill and uh, playmaking. And if you are that kind of player combining for two goals and six assists in, in the last two seasons with the USHL and the NCAA, it does not look very appetizing for an NHL, NHL franchise to um to move forward on but as you said they have his rights for a, a few more years he can still turn it around but there's a reason why he's in the long shots at the moment first of the goalkeepers on the list is Emmett Coteau um playing for uh, Clarkson in this upcoming year he has improved from from last year or 2022 season to the 2023 season um going from 899 to 917 save percentage. Um, on the other hand, his, his goal against average has gone up. Mm. Yeah, he's also like last year he was fifth last on the uh, on the top 25, under 25. Now he's fourth last. Uh, obviously, it's been, um, well, Arvid Henriksson has left. Uh, otherwise, he had last year he had Gordon Henriksson, Jack Smith, and Jack Gorniak behind him. Mm. Um, he's another one of these big goalies that Montreal has taken a flyer on in the later rounds. It has been one per draft basically in the last four or five years, except for this year when they just went bananas with picking goalkeepers. Uh, he's 6'4, 209 pounds, listed on elite prospects. Um, it's gonna be uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him play the NCAA nine one seven in in the uh, regular season for Waterloo Blackhawks is you know it's good. It's, yeah, a, playoffs, it's a good the, save percentage. Yeah, well, the I always have to say that uh, yeah. when I saw the the numbers, I obviously looked at the playoffs going up, but even a eight nine three uh, three twenty six uh, um, same percentage and uh, goals against average is pretty decent, especially with the sample size that is three games. Yeah, for uh, sure. So, so um, yeah, it will be interesting to see Clarkson decent program as well. So, um, question yeah. is how many games he's going to get as a first year. Uh... Yeah, as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's also it's difficult with goalies because they um, they really are so, voodoo. Yeah, we, we were talking about that yesterday. Like Sam Montembeau, for example, he still feels like a, a talented uh, young goalie. He's twenty seven. Well, he turns twenty seven this year. But he has just, you know, found his stride basically in the NHL at the age of 26. And it, it makes you kind of hesitant to write off these goalies. Um, Frederick Dishov, who, who the Canadians did not sign, for example, uh, he had a great season with Krushansta in, in Hockey Allsvenskan coming from two seasons of basically playing nothing. And then he was great for Kristianstad and he moved to Frölunda and he was given the backup spot and it was difficult to maintain that level of, of being the, the guy. Consistency rather than, than anything else. 
Yeah, especially yeah, a Stradler sure. had to play in largely one son who wasn't up to par coming back from KHL in Russia. Exactly, and and a player who has been touted to be the best goal goaltender outside of the NHL, basically in large U.S. So so backing him up is probably great for Dishaw going forward. So we don't know; he's still just twenty one, twenty two. Maybe four years he can be, you know, a hell of a goalkeeper. And and the same can go for someone like Emmett Cotto. We've seen Caden Primo, for example, go mm-hmm. from a very long shot. Uh, seventh round pick to to being very highly touted by the Canadians organization and and being a great goaltender in the uh, in the NCAA. So, yeah, um, all of these goaltenders will be fun to follow and see who comes out on top, basically, because Jakub Dobesh is already there. He's going to compete with um, uh, with uh, Primo going forward. We have Joe Verbetic there as well. And uh, yeah, uh, we have several more coming up. Indeed. And uh... As I said, goalkeepers are voodoo. You never know when they're going to explode onto the scene. Not everyone is going to be Carey Price, who took some time to to get comfortable as well, or yep. Henrik Lundqvist, that uh, stayed a couple of more years in Sweden uh, and won a couple of championships as well. Um, I am a little bit surprised um, because I know I'm not flashy on him. I know I don't write enough about him either. Uh, and he's gone to the club where KHL contracts go to die. Well, place in China. <laughs> but Dimitri Kostenko has played more or less every game in yep. KHL this year. Yeah. KHL is not a bad league. No, uh, it's not. Even uh, though they, they can't really import players um, to the same like, degree like, anymore. Like, yeah, like they used to. Playing 52 games at the age of 20 um, in the KHL is still a really good experience. Exactly. And and while not all of them has been, you know, monster minute games, um, I think, you know, it is a professional player and putting a professional player somewhere um, with, with that caliber of stats mm-hmm. at 50, um, yeah, I, I would still not put him in the top 25. So it's not that. And we said that, you know, it's a anyone's guess at this point. We have the data. He has taken steps forward. This will be a really interesting prospect actually following. Can he follow up a season like this and take mm-hmm. another step or two, uh, arguably in a bad team, but possibly being traded to a good team come deadline? Um, I mean, he, he he still belongs to Spartak Moscow. So yeah. he was just on loan to Kunlun Red Star in, in China. So if he can take a spot on Spartak Moscow's uh, defensive line, he could be in for a bounce you know a, a big bounce of a, of a year and just looking at well Oliver Kapanen for example who, who we'll get to in a in a later podcast but getting from you know having your first real season of of top tier hockey and just getting accustomed to all of these do's and don'ts of, of the of the pace and the physicality that can do very much for a young player. And and now he's going to turn 21 in September, uh, Kostenko, that is. And if he can take a spot on Spartak Moscow, yeah, uh, Montreal still has his rights for uh, two more years. And uh, it's not impossible that he will be someone that they will look to uh, look to sign in those two years. Um, he's signed for one more year with Spartak Moscow. Maybe he will be brought over um, for for a look in uh, in Laval at the end of this season. Who knows? It depends on it. All depends on on this season and and whether he can be um, a KHL more than just a KHL body. Indeed, he needs to become a KHL regular. Yeah, uh, in a way. Um, Forty nine. We got Joe Verbetic 
a little bit of a um, yeah. I had him higher, obviously. So so, <laughs> but I've always heard good things about him. I haven't followed him that closely, but from what I've heard, he's done well. Obviously, my rankings are a very a, a huge outlier in this case uh, at thirty seven. Yeah. Uh, so I would still have him as project uh, rather than the long shots. Um, still, it, he, he's he's had a pretty decent uh, season. Well, I, I, he played 28 games for the ECHL team in Trois-Rivières and had an 8.96 save percentage, with it, which is coming from the OHL. Everything is... Uh, also, Trois-Rivières was not very good this year. Well, no, no, but it's still, you know, uh, it, it's difficult coming up from the OHL, obviously, yeah. and, and playing a senior... Uh, senior hockey uh the way i see it you know he he played four games with laval didn't exactly uh, impress uh he had a 4.05 uh, goals against average 871 save percentage but as you said goalies are voodoo, voodoo. Uh, it's difficult to know how they will improve summer after summer he's a monstrous monstrously big human he's a 66 um he fills out the net He's still only 20, but as of now, I had him ranked the lowest out of the goaltenders. I had him at 51. I don't know if I was the lowest on him. Yeah, I was uh, combined with a couple of others. So I I, I don't see a big future in the uh, in the NHL for Joe Verbetic as of presently, uh, as of present, but maybe in a year that will change. Um, 49th he is now. Last year, he was ranked at... I can't even find him in the rankings here. He was ranked 34th, so he has fallen a little bit out of uh, out of the projects list into the long shots. Indeed, and, and now we're going to talk about a Swede. First well, Swede part, on the list, part Swede, yeah, Harris. for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a Swede, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's got double citizenship, and hence yeah. uh, why we can make this joke, um, because everyone uh, in Canada claims uh, both Nylander sons uh, to, to Canada, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, 23rd, uh, 2023 uh, fifth round pick. He's, yeah, he, yeah I, I yeah. know nothing about him really. No, exactly. Who's this guy? Um, he's going to play for the University of Denver uh, this year. He, well, he was a point per game player in the Sioux Falls Stampede. Um, great. You know, uh, why not take a flyer on an overager who's a point per game player in the USHL? As we said with Jack Smith. When you don't see that kind of production in uh, in the even in the USHL, then you start to become a little bit wobbly about where where a little bit wonky about where this player is actually heading. Sam Harris has at least been productive at at that level, and now it's up to him to show that he can take that and and turn it into something more at the NCAA level. And Denver has a good prog- program, and and he's going to have four years probably to to develop himself. We've seen Jack, uh, we've seen Jake Evans and and others, Brett Stapley, uh, do well at the NCAA level after being um, long shots. So uh, who knows what Sam Harris can end up doing? I like the Harris pick more than I like a couple of the other picks who were picked earlier than him in this draft, uh, because at least you can see the production is there. Um, also, the trend is there. I mean, like even for a, being an extra year in uh, or with the so false. Uh, yep. Stampede. He he went from thirty five points in one year to fifty six the next. Uh, exactly. So 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 you can see there is a positive trending uh, uh, trajectory, and uh, therefore it's it's worth a pick. Also, 
uh, coming back to this, being a teacher, I know you're tired of me talking about other stuff than hockey, but University of Denver has a good, it's, it's a good school as well. So he's, yeah. he's bound to get a, a good uh, education. And, you know, if, if hockey doesn't work out, you have something else to fall back on. And we also have to remember one thing that he played for the Sioux Falls Stampede and Jack Smith also played for the Sioux Falls Stampede. So back in 21-22, they probably already had an eye on Sam Harris because they were there for the 10 games that uh, Jack Smith was actually playing. Um, They probably will have seen Sam Harris as well. So they've had a little bit of, of of a look on him for some time now and probably now that he had this production this year they probably felt the that he was worth bringing into the organization so i don't think that it's someone that they just looked up on on youtube or something and felt like oh you know sixth round we have a pick just take whoever i i think that they actually had a plan with with this guy and and selecting him so yeah, um, as you said, University of Denver will will probably do him nicely. And uh, as of now, you he's is he the lowest of the drafted? Yeah, yeah, of the ones drafted in twenty twenty three. Yeah, he is. Uh, but yeah, um, I had him fiftieth. Uh, he was he he had a discrepancy between forty one and fifty two. Um, so. Yeah, it was was it it's anyone's guess yeah. again. <laughs> it's anyone's guess. He was quite close to forty seventh, which is uh, Blake Biondi. Yeah, um, and and the question when you look at uh, at the stats from from uh, Minnesota Duluth again, uh, has Blake Biondi stagnated? Certainly, it looks that way. And and I think even if he had half the amount of games from compared to last year, he's got what a quarter of, of the points. He's gone from a plus player to a minus player. Um, I don't know how many how how the team performed in regards to the previous season because obviously that will impact the stats as well. But but it it seems like you have had someone that has started a development uh, going forward, and and then he's fallen off a little bit. It's so difficult with Blake Biondi. Obviously drafted in twenty twenty, uh, the same round as Jack Smith and Sean Farrell, and we should never forget that the Canadians chose to. Uh, go with Jack Smith and Blake Biondi over Sean Farrell uh, before they selected Sean Farrell. Obviously, if they knew what kind of development Sean Farrell would have, they would have rushed in to take Farrell first of those three guys. But yeah. Um, you still got your guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. But it was not, it, it's like saying it was great drafting by the New England Patriots selecting Tom Brady at 199. If they knew how good he was going to be, they would have selected him uh, in the first round, obviously. Well, they, they wouldn't have been able to select him in the first round if everyone knew how good he's going to be because no, he exactly, would have gone but, first overall. <laughs> but it's not great drafting when you oh. pass on a lot of players. Uh, if you, you know, just end up with. Well, someone has to pick him, obviously, but it's just oh. it's just always going to be a conundrum with those three players uh, intertwined because they were selected in the fourth round of twenty twenty. But yeah, Blake Biondi, he was a he was a Mister Hockey in in um, uh, Minnesota. Uh, obviously, a prestigious title, uh, being the best high school player there. And then he comes to Duluth and he uh, starts his first season, his freshman season, with five points in twenty six games. So you kind of write him off even if it's just his freshman season. And then he was great in his sophomore season with 28 points in 42 games. And, and it looked like he really found his stride. And then injuries and, and uh, not a very good 
you know, form on him and not a very good um, performance overall, six points in, uh, in 17 games. And then all of a sudden you don't know because he fluctuates so much in, in production. Uh, so you don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, there is talent there. And, and obviously if there is someone I trust when it comes to talent, um, when it comes to just um, what's it called? Development. Uh, well, no, no, to uh, evaluate talent, uh, it's Hadi, and Hadi, Hadi is the high vote on him. So that that tells us something. Uh, if Hadi believes in Blake Beyond it, then I am inclined to believe a little bit more in him as well, and just uh, think that this was maybe a just a blip in in the radar, and he can pick it pick it up for his senior season. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. And then, obviously, since I love Russian goalies, um, I'm highest on Yevgeny Volokhin um, coming into or, or being drafted this year, uh, playing for uh, Mamonti Urgai in MHL. Um, he's a junior player in the MHL. Like mm. he's he's a first year player. Uh, he's 18 and uh, played with the under 20s. That speaks volume to me. The Russian goalie program has more often than not been strong this last couple of years. So uh, six foot three, um, very lanky with with 168 pounds only. Mm. But uh, the development path here is is good. We're back to to that thing with Russia where um, scouting is probably not the best uh, travel wise and, and political wise. Um, then it's also the fact that because of the KHL NHL or non-existent KHL NHL agreement, and and I might not be right, correct with this, um, but I think you keep the rights forever before they come over, and I think that is uh, part of the problem re- or part of the the project going forward. You can keep him for as long as possible. Yeah, I I really believe that this could be a sleeper pick, a really good sleeper pick. Uh, when you look at the save percentage this year as an 18-year-old, because you have to remember that a lot of the, I think both were both Miller, for example. I think that a couple of the other goalies were also picked one year after they were eligible. Or am I completely off now? At least, like he's born in April 2005. He's recently turned 18, and a combined save percentage of you know, upwards to nine nine three zero this season in the MHL as as a as a rookie player and being so good in the playoffs as well for a struggling team with nine three one save percentage, it's impressive for real. Um, and and looking at if he can fill out his frame a little bit and th- this is the kind of pick that I really like in the later rounds. Um, a goalie who who has shown promise at the age of eighteen and. There is no reason, and it's also a proof why there's no reason to to become too high on a goaltender in the early rounds because there are those sleeper picks to find in the in the later rounds um, where the 
development path maybe isn't as clear, but there is talent there. And um, I think that Volokhin uh, can surprise quite a few people people uh, these upcoming years. He, what, he, I think he was second uh, or the, the two goalies for uh, Ugra, Ugri was uh, second in MHL rankings. Uh, combined he was top 10 in both playoffs and uh, regular season performance um, I, I I really yeah I, I agree with you this could really be a sleeper pick next season we'll have to tell um, I have no idea if, if his partner is aging out so so he will take the front row seat for 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 his team but also um, shout out to Mamut because they have one of the coolest logos in in, in ice hockey um, check it out. Be sure to to follow uh, this prospect going forward. Um, on forty five, I, I could just say, like, uh, answer that question. The competitor who who is up against in Mamonte Ugri is called Yegor Zavragin, and he was drafted in the third round this year by Philadelphia Flyers. So he is even younger than Volochin. So it will probably be a one A one B tandem for them. Um, he's only 17 as a present, and he had a 9-2-0 save percentage. He also played one game up in uh, in the VHL this season. So yeah, um, it's interesting it sounds like dynamic good, there. Eh? Yeah. Also, I was wrong about Quentin Miller. I thought he was born in 2003, but he's the same age as as Volochin. Yeah. Uh, on 45, though, we have uh, Florian uh, Florian Shekai. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Czech star player being drafted. And by Montreal in the fourth round, one on one, air assault unit. Maybe we should call him that. Yeah. Uh, coming from Hamilton, obviously not very highly ranked among different uh, scouting agencies. However, um, the name sort of speaks to Montreal nowadays. Yeah, obviously, uh, I I have a hard time seeing that Montreal would have selected Florian Shekai and as early as they did, if not for the fact that he was Arbor Shekai's brother and they know what kind of personality um, Arbor and Florian probably both bring um, combined. So looking at his production in the OHL, it obviously isn't something that wows you. It's not even something that tells you that this player should get drafted uh, with 25 points in, in 68 games and a minus 17 plus minus. Um, so there has to be some kind of dynamic here where they know that the tenacity and the grit that Florian Shaka will bring to uh, any lineup is something that you can uh, build with. It's kind of like uh, Michael Pizzetta or, or for uh, yeah uh, that kind of bottom six um, heavy workload guy who can just yeah bring physicality to an otherwise talented playmaking team. Um, I am still puzzled by by the selection. Um, if not for, I, I hope that he will prove me wrong and that it's not you know something that they've just selected out of nepotism. I had him forty eighth. Uh, I don't have a lot of hope for Florian Chekai to to bring his game to the next level, but he's more than welcome to prove me wrong. Um, I can see that there was a discrepancy here. Like the high vote was 29. Uh, the low vote was 52. So I wonder who the low vote was. Yeah, I wonder. It could be <laughs> some guy named Patrick. <laughs> so, well, but, it's fair but, to shout out someone on the pod, though. And, and I, yeah. I was just, I think 
uh, I checked all the draft profiles or the draft um, magazines that I have, and I think it was only one that had him drafted as or mentioned as an honorable mention. Yeah, uh, and the rest didn't. On the other hand, it was more or less the same with Alexander Romanov. So who knows? Nope. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like you know, I had one year ago, I had Arbuchekai at thirty sixth place because I didn't think that he would transition very well from, uh, from the OHL, and I st- still thought that it was mainly a, a feel good story of him being a cashier and then becoming like well a grocery bag pick picker or whatever, um, and then becoming a, a sign for an NHL team, and I didn't expect him to. Uh, to feature as much as he did and actually doing it really well. So I was wrong on him and maybe I'm wrong on Florian Jekka as well, but as of present, I don't see him being more talented or, or being uh, worthy of, of a position higher up these rankings. One player that has fallen quite a bit, partly because of, of players coming in, but also partly due to a uh, season that uh, he struggled with, if I remember correctly, mononucleosis. Uh, Petri Nurmi um, did play for uh, Hopeko um, quite well when he did play. Uh, had troubles coming back into the team after his uh, illness. Uh, still performed quite well. It's an interesting pick. I'm I don't know his contract status, but I would assume he goes to the AHL next year. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, he may have fallen a little bit from grace um, in the uh, Liga, but he has, on the list, he has the exact same ranking as last year. So even though there's been an influx of talent and a lot of new players coming in, he maintains his 44th spot. Um, he, if, if you compare to his first season with HPK, where he had four points in 58 games this season, he had 15 and 48. So obviously has picked up his assisting game, 14 assists this season compared to just three in the first year. And he was an overager two year in overager. I think uh, he's born in 2002 in January. So, so he was a long shot from the start when he was selected. But as you said, uh, yeah, he has contract for one more year and, this is the kind of selection that you make because you want him to come over in, in two years and play for Laval and, and test the waters over there. So Petri Nurmi, I, I think that he um, he can bring uh, he can bring a bit of um, yeah defense first, obviously, but but I think that he can add something to a Laval team uh, as long as he continues to play well in in Liga. Uh, outbreak passes are good. Vision is good. Um, he has some good skills, especially in the passing game. Offensively, maybe not, but passing-wise, is strong, and, and uh, um, defensive game is is also pretty strong. So it will be interesting. I know uh, Timo uh, said that uh, he uh, thought that um, Petteri Nurmi would uh, challenge maybe for one of for the national team in one of the smaller tournaments, the Czechia tournament or Swiss tournament, or, or, or would be one of those two tournaments really. Um, last year, obviously, Mono put an end to that. Uh, it will be interesting to see because he is one of the better young defenders in Liga. So it's a smart pick. We have the same as we always say, the trajectory was good. It continued to be good last year. So yeah. uh, very, very interesting pick. And I'm very high. Uh, but I wasn't highest on on uh, because and not even you were the highest 
on the no. next one at 43 we have philip erikson i had him 35th I, i was sure i was going to be the highest but i wasn't so uh, but but out of vecra lakers i know you guys think lakers is a basketball team but here in sweden it is a, a hockey team it's also a very ho- very good hockey team they're the champions he got to play with them i think because of his 31 seconds in the playoffs he he did get a winner's medal uh, so he is a swedish champion and uh, <laughs> going into this season we're going to have more about ericsson next week uh, on the podcast uh, but uh, going into this year he will challenge for 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 the 13th 12th spot on 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 a vecco team uh, i'm relatively sure he will get Uh, more uh, or sometime in the SHL, sometime on um, Champions Hockey League, and uh, the 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 organization of Vecra has tried to get him for a couple of years, but he has stayed in his local team in Troya Jungby and developed there very very smartly. Um, Got in a bigger responsibility with that team, uh, being able to build up Finnish school, and and now or last year moved to Vecchio permanently, broke his metacarpal uh, in one early game in the SHL and uh, more or less had to sit out the rest of the season. He came back in March, I think. Um, and still, it probably kept him off the radar uh, yeah. for, for many uh, clubs. Very smart pick. This is, this is, I mean, this player is more or less a pro player already. Yeah, it looks like... Um, it. Re- It kind of looks like the Engstrom pick a year ago. Not to make any other um, any other um, suggestions when it comes to comparisons there, because um, but it's just like this kind of forgotten player in the J twenties who's been a point per game player um, and and kind of has fallen under the radar. Um, between uh, there obviously is a lot of talent coming out of the SHL and the uh, following J J J20 National League every year and considering Philip Eriksson's um well being developed in in a smaller program at home in Jungby and then moving to Vecchio and only playing 11 games in the J20 um I think, as you said, that he has kind of been forgotten by by a lot of franchises and and not not reaching a higher draft status. And and that is probably to Montreal's um, gain here, uh, being able to pick him up in the sixth round. It will be very fun to to watch him with the Vecchio Lakers because, as you said, it's a good program to play in. It's a, a team that the the current national team head coach, uh, he came out of, uh, well, for, for Sweden, he came out of Vecchio. He coached them for many years. They continue to play well. And obviously, it's easier to make a good impression playing with good teammates than having to struggle in a bottom-tier team. We've seen with Jacob Olofsson, for example, when you have to play for a team that's just struggling for existence in the top tier, it's much harder as a young player to actually feature and do well and play with the quality teammates and and eventually get some uh, team in the uh, on-demand advantage or the box play uh, with a penalty kill. In, in well. Sweden, it's kind of funny because the yeah. the coach of Vecchio Lakers is Jürgen Jönsson. And in Sweden, he's won everything that you can win. Um, yeah. 
the but brother of he's, Kenny. He's in NHL, he's probably used to to being compared to his brother Kenny Johnson, yeah, who, yeah. who didn't win everything with the Islanders, but was an integrated part of their history for a long time. Yeah. Um, Philip Eriksson, very interesting pick. I'm looking forward to following this guy um, for the rest of the season. We will have more about Philip uh, coming on on the pod. I would assume next weekend when. Uh, when we don't have any top 25 under 25 profiles coming out, which brings us to number 42, Luke Mittelstadt. Speaking uh, of brothers, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking about brothers, Luke Mittelstadt. Yeah. Um, this ranking was pretty consensus, though. Um, there's one outlier at 33, but the rest in early 40s, mid 40s. Yeah, yeah, basically. And uh, obviously having the same ranking as the guy before, uh, combined ranking. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's interesting um, because we see, still see a little bit of a jump between 40 and 41, but Milstad had, yeah, as you said, he had rankings between 33 and 47, uh, which could, some, some people see him high up the projects list, uh, close to the near misses. Some people see him more of a long shot. Uh, and he ends up, yeah, at, at number 42 or tied 41st per position. Um, obviously, being the little brother of Casey Middlestadt uh, from the Buffalo Sabres, um, taking a flyer on him as an overager in the seventh round, he was ranked by by few outlets higher than that. So, uh, twenty one points in thirty eight games as a left handed D man for the Univers- University of Minnesota. That sounds quite good for being an undrafted player and. Uh, I uh, yeah, as as we said about Petri Nurmi, for example, who also was that left-handed D overager. You kind of make this selection with the Laval team in mind and thinking that well, Miguel Turigny, for example, was also that kind of a pick where you thought that oh, maybe he can make an impact for Laval within a year or two, so we can stay competitive in Laval while we lift players up from Laval to Montreal Canadiens. We still have these 20-year-olds who are schooled in Liga or SHL or the NCAA coming up and filling their spots. And I I firmly believe that Middlestad can be a part of that maybe as soon as next year. It's also like you, 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 you choose these players because they have a longer development path it's very easy to put someone like David Reinbacher in to a higher ranking because um, you know what you're going to get, a first-round pick, this, 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 blah, 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 bang, bang, mm. bang. Whereas uh, with these kind of players, you, you pick them because there is a long development path, but there is a, a possibility of them reaching it. And it's smart maybe in this case to, as we said with Petri Nurmi, we've seen it with Lucas Vedemo, we've seen it to, to a certain degree with Matthias Norlinder, uh, there are other overagers as well, but you pick an overager because you have a little bit more data uh, to 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 look at and see where they're going from the draft year. Also, yeah, as you say, uh, and also you see the high end potential in in one or two aspects of his game. For for Middlestad, for example, it's his offensive game which stands out, and if you can see that translate well as it did in his freshman season in the NCAA then you kind of see that, oh, there is something to work with here. And if we can just um, iron out a couple of uh, a couple of deficiencies that he has, maybe we can get a, a pretty decent player out of this. And maybe that is more worth worthy of a seventh round pick than selecting, for example, a, a 17-year-old. 
Sorry? Gourdain, who is, yeah, yeah, who is, yeah, exactly. well, who is very the, high, has one the, skill that is very high. Yeah, exactly. But it was the same kind of pick where you select an overager and you kind of want him to round out a couple of other aspects of his game. With Gordin, it, it didn't work, but it still doesn't mean that the process was flawed. Yeah. With Middlestad, for example, maybe he has already a couple of more elements to his game that you can actually work with. With Gordin, it's, it's kind of difficult if you can't stand on two skates, even if you have a great shot. Um, Middlestad can skate and he can do it well and and he can play a two-way game at the NCAA level. Can he do it in the AHL and, and maybe the NHL as well? That remains to be seen, but it's been promising as of now. I mean, just the fact that he was selected for the uh, under-20 team in, in the World Juniors featuring for, for Team USA there, that speaks volumes for an undrafted player. Um, so the fact that nobody else scooped him up and, until pick 197 was kind of strange, um, to be fair, especially being an over, overager. But yeah, um, for, hopefully Montreal is, is the wiser because of it. And coming in at 41, we got uh, Ty Smilanek um, out of the NCAA and uh, University of uh, Wisconsin. Go Badgers. Yeah. Go Badgers. And and uh, JJ Watts. Yeah, exactly. Um Hold he captain. transferred. He obviously <laughs> he obviously transferred from Quinnipiac to um to University of Wisconsin this season to to be at a yeah, at a, a higher profile program. Uh didn't really light it up. He had one goal, one assist in, in 14 games. That was all. Um and this was his junior season. Um, going into senior year, we have to remember he was the he was drafted by Florida, so which means that he was part of the Ben Chirot trade, um, third round pick back then, and he came from the national team development program, so he was a highly touted talent going into the double uh, to the NCAA. But hopefully, this season was just kind of getting accustomed to to a different program and and. Um, all of that and that he can pick it up in the senior year. But as of now, it for me, it kind of looks like a long shot that he would be um that he would be offered uh, an entry level contract. Um it kind of reminds me of another University of Wisconsin product in, in Jack Korniak, where it's just it was kind of obvious that the high-end talent wasn't really there. Tyce Milanic is obviously, he was a higher talented prospect than Gorniak. Um, he should be able to do better, um, and especially being one of the leaders now on the team um, at Wisconsin. It, it's a really important year for him, um, and, and he really has to pick it up. That's it from the long shots. We'll be back tomorrow with the projects and... Uh... We are so happy that you stayed with us the whole show. And um, really, Anton and I are looking forward to do more of these podcasts. We have a lot of exciting guests coming up. Thank you so much for listening.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.